Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Chris Fate. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, yeah. It's great to speak with you. We'll be speaking about a topic that I have grown up with. We're talking about higher education. You know, my father's a professor. My grandfather was a professor. I'm a professor. So I know the world a bit, but Chris drives business development. He's the vice president of business development at Vision Point Marketing. Vision Point Marketing is the preeminent full-service enrollment marketing agency focusing exclusively on higher education for the past 20-plus years. And so we'll get into that. We'll go back to school a bit there. But before we do, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, that is always uh, you know, a loaded question, so I'll try to keep it uh, simple as well. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Chris Fates. I'm here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've spent the last 20 years in sales and of those past two decades, um, the last 15 years, the last decade and a half has been in higher ed. And like most folks, I didn't go to um, college to be a salesperson, um, but right after 9-11, all of the marketing jobs um, were obsolete. And so my internship um, got me at the radio station. I found an opportunity and I'm so blessed to be 20 years later, um, still in sales and at that leadership role. So I lead um, all of our new business acquisitions and bringing in new partner logos uh, for Vision Point. Um, outside of, of work, everybody wants to know a little bit more about themselves, especially the last two years. I think the pandemic's really humanized yeah. a lot of us. And so, um, you know, I am a father for, proud father for, man, we were talking a little bit about this. Um, yes, usually when you say four, the eyes get big. And then when you <laughs> break that out even further, like, oh, do you have twins? And I always say, no, my wife and I one up that. Um, I'm a proud father of triplets, plus an amazing uh, big sister who will be turning uh, 12 this Friday. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on the growing family. And as I mentioned to you, you know, nobody forgets the family with triplets. So the fates will be the most famous family in your community. They uh, are. So they are. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about Vision Point and what you guys are working on. Yeah, so, um, you know, after spending almost 15 years in the, the higher ed, ed tech space um, at one of the preeminent um, large places, Hobson's and, and EAB, our organization, um, got acquired. And, you know, I'm a, I mentioned to you that I fell into sales, but I'm a marketer at heart. And that's mm -hmm. where I got my degree. I thought I'd be working as an agency, a creative director coming up with these really exciting brands um, that were compelling. And, you know, you've got the head marketing and the heart marketing. Always thought I'd pull on those those heartstrings, um, but that wasn't the plan. Um, you know, fate had it, no pun intended, uh, differently for us here. And so Vision Point is we are a higher ed only um, agency um, focused exclusively on that enrollment marketing. And that's what's really unique. You've got a lot of agencies that focus on just the brand and the creative but then they don't take it to that level. They pass it off to, to a university, especially like community colleges um, where they just don't have the staff. They've got the desire. There's a marketplace that's definitely there for them, um, but it's putting those two pieces together of taking a, a 
an idea, a creation, a creative, how to promote that organization, that program or something specific, and then tie it actually back to ROI and then bringing those pieces together, which is the, where the enrollment comes into play. And Vision Point really doubles down on that because it's all about being that in the trenches partner to focus on enrollment marketing, to highlight who your you know, program is, your college, your university, and then showing great opportunities um, for prospective students to ultimately show up on campus. And that's what's really kind of awesome. I always say, yes, I'm in sales. And in the higher ed world, sometimes they say, don't say sales. It can have such a used cars um, salesman type of um, you know connotation, which is it's not the case. When you think about it, when I hired um, one of our newest salespersons, you know, salespeople, I said to her, I'm like, this is really, really cool. Um, you're either allowing people to start their career, relaunch their career, or advance their career or ultimately just gaining knowledge by finding a program that they didn't thought that was existed, learning more about it and enrolling at that um, institution. And that's pretty damn cool. So I love this topic and I have to tell you, I've been living this topic. You know, I have a son that's a freshman at university right now. I have another son that is a senior in high school and about to go through this lovely process. I think it's such an exciting time to be in really kind of what you guys are focused on, which is the enrollment marketing for higher education, because I feel like the market has changed. Tell me a little bit more about some of those trends that you're seeing that have really shaped this market. Yeah, you know, I will tell you, um, it is it's a super exciting time. One of the biggest decisions a family, you know, parent, guardian, um, who can make, um, but it's also probably one of the most nerve wracking times. And <laughs> that's obviously, you know, when you look at the traditional undergrad, but there's so many other pathways, right? Somebody who maybe right out of college went into career because the pandemic puts them in a pinch and they had to double down on their family and they had aspirations to go and maybe become a welder where you can make $80,000, $90,000 a year and really transform your place in society from where you're from. But that got put on pause. Or it could be somebody who 15 years down the road thought they were going to be an accountant and then just dread and hate their job. By the way, I use that as an example. I actually went to college to be an accountant. I probably look and talk and feel the exact opposite. I'm probably the most furious outgoing person, but I do love numbers. But yeah, I thought I was going to be an accountant and I'm so glad I didn't do that. So people that are transforming their careers or maybe, you know what, want to go back and just add education is, is such an amazing space. And so the trends, there's a lots of different things. You've got the haves and the have nots. And what I mean by that is if you look on their traditional undergraduate um, pathway going directly from high school, that secondary to that post-secondary path. Um, you know, there's been lots of things that what they call the GTO, the going test optional, removing those test scores because you had to be in person to, to take those tests. Um, and with uh, many colleges, your, your son probably, as he went, we were talking about that applied via Common App. It's so much easier to apply. And, you know, it used to apply to maybe five to 10 schools. And then all of a sudden you've got 15 to 20. And how do you choose it when you didn't get a chance to visit it or your visitation was really limited and everybody focuses on all these top ranked schools you've got your top 100 ranked schools yeah. but here's the news flash there's like 2500 schools outside of those top ranked ones and i can tell you i've worked with over a thousand colleges trying to find that right fit student and obviously i will be a parent going through here pretty soon to start that search there's a 
bunch of colleges that are out there. And I honestly believe it's not so much where you go. Yes, where you go can be important, but it's what you do once you get there that really defines you. Yeah, that's really excellent advice. And I experienced a changed marketplace when my older son was applying in the sense that during COVID, we had all of those changes where standardized testing wasn't a priority anymore, wasn't even demanded by many schools. And so suddenly, I think that actually must have increased applications, no? Oh, at least some of these schools were up 100, 200, 3%, um, you know, but then also too, to kind of shift that you've got um, typically when you kind of come into a recession, or I wouldn't say a pandemic, we've only had those every 100 years. um, But then you look for the non traditional path, like the community college path, typically, as we're, you know, arguably entering into a recession, or what the last two plus years in terms of our economy, you've got community colleges that typically surge during that time. But this was the first time ever that community colleges didn't see an uptick hmm. in, um, in enrollment. And now it's really, really, really needed more than, than ever. When you look at the demographic shifts and the witchy data across the country, there's a, there is less traditional students that are going to be going to four-year colleges than ever before. And I think by 2025, um, across the United States, where historical highs, that 95 quarter, the Northeast Atlantic region is going to be really dipping down. And then lots of pockets in, in the South and out West, where historically they are going to be first generation are really changing. So their pathways are going to be going different. They maybe want to go online school while they work, maybe going to more of a career path in that technical path. And you can make some really, really good careers. I've been pleasantly surprised when joining Vision Point and talking with all of these different schools, what kind of careers that you can have. And imagine a family who is paycheck to paycheck and then allowing them to maybe post-military, get a certificate um, in cybersecurity. And within 14 months, um, you know, leaving the military, they're able to make $80,000, $90,000 a year without yeah without an associate's degree or a four-year degree, but it puts them on that pathway to be able to get that two-year degree, yeah. parlay that into a four-year degree, and all of a sudden they're making a yeah. hundred thousand. Such a great point, Chris. I don't think people even think about those things. I was on a phone call this morning for my apartment having to replace some air conditioning issues there. And based on the price of what I'm paying to get it fixed, Whoever's going into that industry is doing quite well. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different pathways yeah. you know, out there and there's different pathways too. There's the, especially, you know, the Silicon Valley's broken through and where people think, especially in the tech industry, which granted it's getting a little bit beaten up right now in the recession. Some of those tech jobs are starting to tighten, but many of those folks went directly, you know, a brilliant kids from high school that went directly into a career as programmers making $100,000, $110,000 a year. And then their company will pay for them to get the degree to accelerate their career. There's just a lot of different pathways, which technology is advancing. Unfortunately, though, um, it's creating that awareness. There are a lot of pockets throughout the United States where having going that post-secondary pathway, it's never been part of a family and you don't want to break that mold or let your family down. But those non-traditional pathways can really accelerate your, your family and transform, you know, as a first generation person, myself and my wife as well, our kids are fortunate. All they yeah. ever know and what they know is it's going to be that college pathway. That's yeah. what we're saving for. That's what we talk about. And I'm lucky enough only because, you know, 
my mom made that a priority. Um, she wasn't fortunate enough to have parents that could afford that. She was one of nine, but she made sure, damn sure, that I had a chance to go down. Now, granted, I graduated with a lot of student debt. However, uh, it was back when you would only had like a 2% interest rate compared wow, wow. to those today, ones. it's like oh, over 12%. I, I was pretty lucky. Yeah, today I think it's 13%. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, but uh, it is what it is. So listen, Chris, I know that, you know, we've been talking a lot about the role in the marketplace and certainly it is a very dynamic space, but one of the things that's been kind of a stem through your whole career has been your focus on applying leadership, building kind of your ideas of leadership principles and how that shaped you. And I'd love to kind of delve a little bit more deeply on how you think about leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say first and foremost, I've been absolutely blessed with amazing um, mentors who are still mentors to my day who saw a lot of potential um, and invested the time in me. And I'm forever grateful for, for them. And they know exactly who they are. So if they're listening to this, they know. And I'm still speaking to them now, my old vice president of, of 15 plus years and our old CEO and several others as well. They still some fantastic advice in me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then they shared their wisdom. It wasn't just, hey, Chris, do this, but here's how to do it. Here's how to, to coach it. And what they saw in me is, I've always, maybe it was the sports, you know, an athletic person in me growing up. Um, I never was the biggest, fastest or strongest, but I always had that desire and that passion. And mm -hmm. I took, I took um, feedback and there's a difference between listening and hearing, you know, and I think the biggest difference is if someone gives you advice, are you hearing it enough to actually then apply that advice? Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, it was really important for me and instilled in me is to create like and codify and document. What are my leadership principles? Put those on paper and then step outside of your comfort zone and actually share those with people. I'd be really, really mm -hmm. guarded. I had a tight circle, I had a tight circle and I'm, I'm writing an article, you know, right now that hopefully I'll be able to publish on LinkedIn. But a lot of that and what a great advice was step outside of my comfort zone. I was really transparent with a small little group of folks who I had worked with for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I realized this wasn't me. It was actually, um, we had a guest keynote speaker at one of our sales kickoffs, Arshay Cooper. And he talked about um, relationships are like a bank and there's deposits and withdrawals. And it's got to be an equal balance. You can't expect to take out a lot of withdrawals with people to build a relationship if you're not depositing and building those relationships. And I realized within my group, it was a balance of deposits and withdrawals. But the team that I was leading, I was always asking for withdrawals, but not putting in those deposits. And I need to actually do quite the opposite. I need to constantly be putting deposits in, building that relationship, letting them know about me, asking questions about them before they can actually start to, to trust me. And it allowed me to go down this path and codify what are my leadership principles. And the executive coach who was, you know, um, for my old vice president, um, they're kind of, they had the triangle. And my three leadership principles um, are ethics, passion, and drive. On the ethics part, you know, you've got your triangle. My moral compass has to point north. People want to work with and be good people. And right. just, you know, there's going to be people in the workplace that you don't get along with. My mom always said, man, kill them with kindness. They may not like you, but they sure as hell are going to respect you because you can yeah. always be professional. Um, and then be passionate, you know, be passionate about what you're doing. I think Mark Cuban just tweeted, hey, don't follow your passion, 
he's not wrong. I mean, there's other things. I look, I'd love to be a SOM in California or be working, you know, for my Cincinnati Bengals, um, you know, for the head of the marketing, but that wasn't in my cards. But I absolutely love the higher ed space, what it can do, how it can transform you and your family. And I love selling and building relationships. So I'm passionate about that. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately drive, you know, it was just me and my mom growing up. It was paycheck to paycheck. I had to hustle when I was 12 years old over summer. I had to work at my mom's uh, furniture manufacturer Monday through Friday, eight to 12. I was allowed one sick day a month. And that money that came in, it was $4 and 25 cents an hour back in the eighties when, you know, early nineties, when you could actually have somebody working at the age of 12 and being on the, on the payroll. But half of that yeah. paycheck had to go towards college savings. The other half, I got to do whatever I want. So by the time I got home every day, my friends were out playing, but you know what? that bank account was growing. And when Super yeah. Nintendo came out, I was the only kid in the neighborhood who walked in and bought, you know, and spent $300 and bought the games and everybody wanted to come over to my house. But my mom's yeah. like, Chris, you got that because you worked hard. You showed up every single day and that could be that difference for you. And you, there's no shortcuts in life. Yeah. And so that, that third principle for drive is instilled in me and it hasn't changed. That's great. You know, Chris, you made me think, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like a lot fewer young people work, you know, uh, in the same way that um, pretty much all of us, a lot of people grew up and did, you know, fast food jobs, whatever it was when we were in high school. And I just don't, I don't know if that's happening still. Is that, I mean, what, what's your take on that? I don't think I'm the expert in that space. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I talk about this with a glass of wine on the front porch um, often. I think a lot of it has to do with the parenting and the approach. My mom really taught me the value of hard work, what you can do, why it's really, really important, but then the outcomes of that. And I think so much of it is about parenting. You know, we're very fortunate. My wife has a fantastic job. She went to school for, for eight years. Yeah. Um, so we're very fortunate, but we always remind our, our kids, just because you have it and just because we can buy it doesn't mean we're going to. Here's right. why we were not. And having that honest conversation with them and having it at a young age and everything you got to get to that you can work and it can be easily taken away. And, you know, look, they always think that they've got it easy. We kind of remind them, we, we joke with our kids, hey, you see that little phone that you have that you can walk around with and it's basically your mini computer. Ours used to be attached to the wall and I could only walk 10 feet. Yeah. And somebody else tried to call me. I couldn't see them. I didn't know who it was. I had to answer the fate household, you know, like, and just let them know what we had, but why that actually really made who we are today. So Chris, I wanted to ask you, because we've been living through this strange moment with the pandemic and, you know, a lot of the leadership principles that you're talking about are unbelievable, you know, tried and true, having strong ethics, being passionate, having drive. How did your leadership approach change over the last couple of years? I mean, were there ways that you had to apply it differently in terms of using technology and all of those lovely things? Yeah, I think um, so. I'd say one reason times three. So no pun intended, though, with the, with the triplets, first and foremost, they absolutely changed me. Um, you know, I used to have that approach as I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to take it on regardless. I don't, don't ask for help. It's a sign of weakness. And when you have three kids um, at once and your wife has complications and she's in the hospital for two months, yeah. just you, and you still got to get your oldest ready for, for kindergarten, you need help. 
and yeah. you need help quick and it humanizes you and you you realize it takes a village and um there was lots of folks that i work with colleagues amazing colleagues too many to name that really came to to my aid and um you know while my wife was in hospital and i was trying to figure all this out there in the nicu starting to come home and how do you feed three kids and you feed one then you got to feed another then you got to feed another then you got to start it all over again and you're not sleeping um, and it's really expensive to get a lot of help. And all of a sudden my organization had shifts and people were showing up left and right and they were seeing me at my worst. I had slept, I hadn't shaved and it really kind of humanizes you and it realizes like, it's okay to be human. It's yeah. okay to be imperfect. And that really shaped who I kind of defined um, who I am. And I let my team know that. My guard was let down and they saw me and, but I think it created this level of, Hey, I'm, while I might be their boss, I'm also like, I'm a human. I'm not perfect. I need Yeah. Your it's a, such a good point, Chris. It's that whole human. We've always talked about it, but in some ways the pandemic forced us into it, which is, you know, as you enter into people's homes, you get a window into their lives and you understand them in a much more holistic way and hopefully can find ways to relate to them and manage and partner and collaborate and support in a more positive way. I love that. I'd love to share too. Um, it's something that's really important to me. I share with everybody and I shared it who I hired. It really transformed like my guiding principles of what my priorities are. And I always share that across the organization with anybody and I just say, and I encourage everybody across the organization, figure out your priorities, but I'm a dad first, a husband second, and a vision pointer third, and it should never change that way. And it doesn't mean I can't do my job, but by leading by that, you can be a dad or, you know, you could be a, a custodian, you know, or you could be a brother and then a cousin and then, you know, canary um, third. If you yeah. have that type of ones and you have your priority, I think people will follow that because mm -hmm. it's real and they can relate to it. That's really good advice. Well, let's jump to vision point one last time, because I mean, it is, as we've said, a dynamic marketplace. And I am going into my second tour of, of application duty with my younger son right now. Uh, what does the near future look like for the higher education and enrollment space? Yeah, you know, they always say higher ed is recession proof, which it, which it is to some degree, but it's how they're reaching those students. And this is a really, really pivotal time. Everybody knows about, you know, the Great Recession and people and the great resignation of people coming and, and leaving organizations. Well, I can tell you that's been hit higher ed really, really hard. Higher ed historically, they've never paid the most. And higher ed in general doesn't have to have a passion for that. But when you look at all these pockets all over the U.S., there's so many schools in these rural ones. And with technology and COVID accelerating, getting, you know, you can um, work remotely now that they could get jobs and they can get jobs at corporations paying 25, 30, 40% more, and they can do that from the luxury of their home. And so higher head's been hit really, really hard. And it's really hard to hire. Right now, right. it's really, really hard to hire. So one, you have to have all of those experts on, on staff. And typically, you don't have that. You have to stay up in industry trends. So what are all the trends to reach all students in different pockets, non-traditional students, you know, career-based students, students by program by program, so many different things, staying up to that, making sure to manage that real time, having the staff to pull the levers and optimize all mm -hmm. that and making sure your brand resonates in the market, doesn't get stale analyze all that, hit your enrollment goals and be able to pivot real time, program to program and interface with all the different constituents on campus. 
it's a nightmare. So you yeah. need partners like Vision Point who have those industry experts. We're typically finding sometimes I'd say almost one out of every three Vision Pointers came from the other side of the desk working on mm. a college campus. So they understand the inner workings, how to reach those students or they're industry experts in this marketing space where they've got 5, 10, 15, 20 years on how to actually reach those students and how it resonates and use data to inform all of those. And that it's so, you know, while it could be bleak in terms of the non-traditional student is conforming and there's demographic shifts and there's all these changes to the application market, there's still a desire to elevate your status and your family. And that pathway is through education. Yeah. And I think Vision Point is a fantastic partner. We don't have clients, we have partners. And the reason why I say that is typically nine to almost 10 out of 10 partners stay with us year over year, which means we're a good partner and we're delivering results. That's great. I mean, what powerful advice today, Chris. If there's somebody out there that wants to speak to you and learn more about what you're working on at Vision Point, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, um, lots of different places. You can find me on LinkedIn. I love connecting and networking. Um, so Chris Fates, you can find me on LinkedIn, at C Fates, um, at uh, Twitter. And then you can go to visionpoint.com, um, visionpointmarketing.com, excuse me. Um, you can click on the let's, let's Talk. It'll go directly to me. Or I think hopefully you'll share my email out there, but it is C. And then obviously you see my name there, C Fate, F-A-I-T, at visionpointmarketing.com. And love to have a conversation, not a presentation. Excellent. Well, listen, Chris, thank you so much for being on Uncaged today. We've been speaking with Chris Fate. He's the Vice President of Business Development at Vision Point Marketing. They are the preeminent full-service enrollment marketing agency focusing exclusively on higher education for the past 20-plus years. We've been talking about all of the changes in the higher education space and really the opportunities from that need to be examined by applicants and by everybody out there in terms of the options that people have for different types of colleges. We've also been talking talking about leadership and really some of the ways that you can structure your team and apply leadership skills to have a more effective approach to business. And really, I would say what I'm learning from Chris here, which is to life, to life, uh, and also to manage triplets. Chris, thank you so much for being on Uncaged today. We look forward to having you back. Yeah, thanks for having me and good luck on your next college journey with your youngest. Cheers. Cheers.